This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. I'm Jake Neer. Shayna is off this week, but today we want to talk about a story that few people seem to be talking about, which is kind of troubling given the gravity of the situation and also the echoes of another major crisis in Michigan in recent history. We're talking about what's happening now with Benton Harbor's water system. For three years, residents of that community have been dealing with contaminated drinking water, and it seems to be getting worse. Uh, Last month, 20 environmental and public advocacy organizations filed a petition with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency urging the federal government to intervene to make sure Benton Harbor's residents have access to clean water. The story's been getting some more attention recently, including from The Guardian, which reports that the lead levels in Benton Harbor are actually higher now than in Flint during the height of the Flint water crisis. The Guardian reporter Eric Lutz joins us now to talk about his reporting on the story. Eric, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you for having me. Bring us up to speed for people who haven't been paying attention to this. What exactly is happening in Benton Harbor now? How do we get to this point? Yeah, so for years, residents in Benton Harbor had been noticing issues with their water. Um, Some had complained about the color, some had complained about the taste, others about the smell. Um, In 2018, the water testing revealed uh, lead contamination of 22 parts per billion, um, which is well over the federal action limit of 15 parts per billion. And I should make clear that there is no safe level of lead in your water. But 22 parts per billion is certainly high. Despite that, though, over the last three years, there have been few changes by elected officials and local activists say that not enough is being done. Hence, the petition to the EPA asking for, among other things, immediate action, water filters, uh, free, clean drinking water, and just more urgency around this issue that has been ignored, as you said, for so long. And why is it? If, if I'm going to ask you to speculate a little bit, why exactly is it that we have not been hearing as much about this, especially considering this feels a lot like how the Flint water crisis started? People raising alarm bells and, uh, you know, saying, look, our water is contaminated. No one's paying attention. No one's doing anything about it. Why are we repeating this again? Yeah, it's hard to say. That's a really good question. Um, Reverend Ed Pinkney, president of the Benton Harbor Community Water Council, who's been one of the leading voices on this, um, calls it the best kept secret, um, the the water issue in Benton Harbor. Um, This is something that not only seems to get not much play outside the state of Michigan, but certainly not nationally um, until recently. This is an issue that that they need solved urgently. And and part of the reason that they filed that uh, EPA appeal is not just to get immediate action, but also to call attention to this issue more broadly and, and to, frankly, draw this uh, attention to this issue across the country where lead lines are in every single state and you know water is, is vulnerable everywhere. So in Flint, it was a decision to switch the city's water source and a failure to use proper corrosion control chemicals in the water that really sparked that crisis. And led to all of the really high readings of lead in the water. I'm curious, was there anything similar in Benton Harbor? I mean, was there a similar spark that ignited this situation or did it just kind of start? There's differing opinions on that. One of the things that is clear is that uh, the the lead lines underneath the city are uh, old and, 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 <laughs> and you make use of, of lead. Um, the Recently, there's there's been a commitment from the state to replace those 
uh, lead lines. Um, but activists say that uh, the money that's been allocated um, is not going to be enough uh, to, to adequately address the issue. I'm curious what you heard from Benton Harbor residents when you were reporting for this story. I know that you had a number of conversations. What were the the big through lines? What were the the stories and the things that were said that stuck with you most? Well, I think the the most common thing that the most common refrain you hear, and frankly, the most heartbreaking, is the sense of isolation and abandonment. Um, they don't feel like they're being listened to by their local elected uh, leaders. They don't feel like they're being listened to by the county. They don't feel like they're being listened to by the state or the federal government, um, you know, and, and it, it feels very much like a case of institutional neglect. Um, and the other thing I would say is, is Benton Harbor being uh, located where it is, uh, right? You know, north of, of Harbor Country, where wealthy Chicagoans go to vacation, um, across the river from St. Joseph, which is, um, you know, the exact opposite of St. Joe in, in so many ways, both racially, economically. Um, and to see those issues not happening there, but happening here in Benton Harbor, where um, you have 85% uh, Black residents, 90% of the people who live there are people of color, 45% um, live below the poverty line. Um, the, the fact that they're this island in, in the middle of this area that, has, that is suffering from these issues and suffering from these issues for so long, I think is deeply felt by the residents. And it's it's a mix of anger, but I think also just this kind of disappointment and, and uh, feeling of, of abandonment. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I'm wondering is about the infrastructure bill in Congress. This is something that, you know, has been uh, floated as something that could address uh, underground infrastructure as well as roads and bridges, things like that. I'm curious. I want. Do, have you been hearing anything from people that maybe there's hope that that might bring about or be part of a solution to this? I mean, we saw huge public works programs in Flint that are still ongoing to replace the lead service lines in that city. Um, is this a possible source of funding for something like that in Benton Harbor? Yeah. Well, I will say that that not just at the federal level, but at the state level. Um, the fact, recent steps taken by Governor Gretchen Whitmer um, have been heartening to, to some of the residents there. Um, the state has recently committed to distributing um, water filters, um, to educating the community more, because plenty of people in this community still aren't even aware of the fact that this is an issue. Committed to to providing bottled water for the residents, which is something that Rev. Ed Pinckney's church has been doing uh, in, the, in the interim. Um, and of course, then uh, Whitmer uh, having a deal with the legislature to commit $10 million to Benton Harbor. Those are all things that, that residents there feel are refreshing. Um, not only because something is better than nothing, as, as Ed Pinckney has told me, but also just the fact that there's this acknowledgement that there is a problem. So that's at, the, that's at the state level. At the federal level, um, I think this certainly highlights the importance of that infrastructure bill because, uh, yes, yeah, some of that money could go to Benton Harbor. Some of that money could go to uh, other communities in Michigan. Um, and again, this is something that is not only happening in Benton Harbor. It's not only happening in the state of Michigan. It's happening across the country. And uh, it highlights the importance of, of an infrastructure bill that could address some of that. 
So one of the things that I think a lot of people are envisioning as sort of another similarity with Flint is that both of these cities were under an emergency manager, under state control uh, for a while. Now, there are very big differences, too, uh, as to these situations. Flint, there is a very clear direct line between a decision that was made by the the, um, Snyder administration at the time and its emergency manager in Flint that led to that. Uh, Benton Harbor uh, actually was out from under state receivership in 2016 before this uh, lead issue seemed to crop up. Uh, I'm curious if you've heard anything uh, along those lines about, um, you know, how maybe the city's relationship with the state and sort of that uh, financial crisis that it went through. Have you heard anything that really uh, draws a direct line between those two issues and what's happening with the drinking water? Yeah, I would say two things on that. One is that the uh, water tests revealed the the lead problem in 2018, but it's possible that this was going on before that. We don't know for sure. Um, the other thing I would say is that uh, not knowing necessarily how that impacts the water, what I can say is that it certainly adds to that feeling of institutional neglect. Um, I spoke with a, a city commissioner there who who refers to the emergency management as the big takeover of Benton Harbor. Um, there, there's a deep sense in, in, this, in the city of Benton Harbor that there's a gulf between the residents who live there and uh, the elected officials and, and, and state officials who have been involved. Um, and, and I think it adds to the feeling that, um, that they've been neglected and, and abandoned by the institutions that were supposed to serve them. I'm wondering if there are any other things that you found during your reporting or that you've been thinking about as you've been reporting out this story that have stuck with you that you think people should know about or be thinking about. I think one of the things for me is, is you know, I'm not the first person to report on Benton Harbor. There have been plenty of people doing great work on this um, in, in studying these issues. Um, but one of the things that strikes me is that uh, the city of Benton Harbor, a four square mile uh, town of 10,000 people, the inequalities that we talk about in, in America so much um, seem to be just really thrown into stark relief there, where you have uh, a city that is, again, 90% people of color, 45% living under the poverty line. Right across the river, you have the exact opposite demographics in, in a much, much lower poverty rate. And even within Benton Harbor, you have um, within that really tiny swath of land sitting on, on beautiful Lake Michigan, right? You have inner city poverty a mile and a half away from a brand new Jack Nicholas designed golf course that, that brand new you 10 years, but you know, relatively new that, that hosts, uh, professional golf events. Um, it, it, it's really striking to see those, things juxtaposed in such a small area. Um, and I think this water issue is, um, you know, just the latest uh, flashpoint in that drama. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's West Michigan's twin cities, right? But in, in this case, it's using that example, it's really the prince and the pauper, right? I mean, the, 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 the contrast in such close proximity um, is something that we've you know, known about for a very long time, but for this is absolutely something that 
really highlights that uh, to to a very very significant degree, and uh, hopefully is something that will continue to get more attention, and that you know the people who are living in Benton Harbor will will find some solutions coming their way, and and people really caring about what is happening there because so far, as we mentioned, it seems like. We've really ignored this story so far, and uh, it's it's um, it's good that you are doing this kind of work. I really appreciate you doing this story, Eric, and for joining us on Mishmash to, to highlight it. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for highlighting this issue.